Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. So um, I want to talk today about having a vision for a forgiven and a forgiving community. Okay, we, I believe that this is a powerful, powerful idea when we can not just get to the point that I'm forgiving and I'm going to walk in forgiveness, but then we as a people are a forgiven people. And we as a people are going to be a forgiving people. You know, um, I read an article, actually, this has been about six or seven weeks ago, and it was a title of this. I'm gleaning um, a little bit from that. It just has been stirring in my heart, like, what would it look like for an entire community to understand we're forgiven and we're forgiving? Because I believe what it will do, it will create a place where we can walk in transparency and vulnerability that we can actually get free to be the fullness of what God has as he's been speaking to this house about maturing and growing. And I think a lot of times um, we've experienced or we have this fear of if anyone would really know, so somehow or another I got to kind of get myself together and then I'll show up. Do you know what I'm talking about? And yet, I don't think that's God's design. I think God's design is for us to, one, who who has received um, the the blessing and the gift of forgiveness from Jesus Christ? Would you just stand up? Like, that's a huge thing to say, I am forgiven and I'm saved and I'm redeemed. Please sit down. (laughs) So that's, that's like our springboard place to stop and go, I have been forgiven. And you know what? I still need his forgiveness. If you would stop, could you say, yeah, this past week, I needed his forgiveness. Today, I need his forgiveness. Okay, see, somehow or another, I think we get in this mind that I'm going to ask Jesus in my heart and um, I'm forgiven. And then we start trying to live in our own strength. And it's like, no, we, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And he is in the business of transforming us from glory to glory. But we're going to be maturing and growing up. Like this little guy, Abel, you know, he's seven months old, fully loved. His parents adore him. And you know what? He's, gonna, he's got some maturing and growing up. To do, And you know what? They're going to love him along the way. And there are going to be times that they're going to bring some loving correction and, and help. And they're going to encourage him. And I see that all the time. Well, it's just like, why is it that we think that once you become a Christian, that somehow or another you have your act together? We don't have our act together. <laughs> we don't. We are all just human people that are saved by a great God who is perfect. And let me tell you something. The Lord desires he doesn't want your performance. He doesn't want your per- your perfection. He just wants your presence. And I think sometimes we trip all over ourselves thinking, well, I have to have it all together. Or we trip all over one another. And yet, like, let's just be together. Let's just give, let's receive the grace, the goodness that God has given us. And then let's be a people that are a grace-filled people to others. Because, you know, if you look in the world, you, you're you on social media for any amount of time, you're going to begin to see this idea of forgiveness 
It's not something you're seeing a lot. We're real quick to point the finger and show where people mess up and blow up. And we celebrate that as a society. And yet I believe the Lord wants to celebrate grace and forgiveness and mercy and goodness. And that's what we want to look at. So the very end of Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, I'm going to just read these two verses. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now I'm curious, who ha- that was the New King James Version. Who has another version? Okay, would you mind reading what you have? Just say what verse it is. Um, the Holdman Christian Standard, and we're at 31, right? So, um, sealed by him for the day of redemption, all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Forgiving one another, just as God forgave you in Christ. Who has another version? Okay, what do you have, Marilyn? Hey, would you read, oh, I love the New Living. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So how are we to forgive one another? Just as Christ has forgiven you. Um, Does anyone have a passion translation? Okay, would you mind reading that for me, Alex? Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Okay, anybody else have a version that you're like, oh, I just really want to read it in my version? No? Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit. Let's just stop and think about um, what it means to be forgiven, like individually. And then also, you know, as you said, it said, be forgiving one another. Paul was actually writing, this is a letter written to a community of people. So it applies to us individually. I need to forgive my husband as I've been forgiven, but it also means we as a body are forgiven people and we want to cultivate a place of forgiveness, not only here, but wherever we go. So I want to think about, um, if you would go ahead and just flip over to Colossians um, 2. I want, to, this, I want to kind of interact a little bit. What, how, do, how, how does Jesus forgive you? Let's think about this. Like, I mean, we can say, oh, yeah, I'm forgiven, but like stop and think a bit. How, how has he forgiven you? How? Completely. Not partially, like all of it. Has he forgiven you for um, what will happen tomorrow? This messes with our religious thinking. <laughs> Does he forgive you only when you ask forgiveness? 
I'm going to read a scripture that I'm going to tell you is going to like, I think just kind of hit the hammer on the nail of this religion thinking. It says, I'm going to start in Colossians 2, verse 11. It says, in him, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Okay, that's what just happened. We saw that this morning. Buried with him in baptism, to which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, all of them. Everything has been forgiven. Okay, so when you think about, I've been forgiven, because see, sometimes, um, we have a really hard time even really receiving forgiveness. And we might like self-flatuate and, and feel like, well, I'm going to do all this activity and then I'll be approved. And Jesus say, I did it all. I did it all. And this once we understand he did it all, then what begins to happen is it transforms my heart. Wow, you did all that for me. I just want to give my life right back to you. The big mess that I am. And would you mold me? Would you change me? Would you transform me so that I look more and more like Jesus? That's what we're all on this journey to do. We're not there. I'm going to fail you. We're going to fail one another. We might have expectations. And, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes we trip over things, and it's not even sins involved. It's just our own expectations of what we think people need to be. But I just want to say, guys, I want want this house to be a place that we can be real and honest enough about where we are in our journey so that that, so shame has, because see what happens is if we don't think we have a community that I'm really going to be forgiven, then what happens when we know we need help, do we run to where we can get help or do we run and hide? What do you think? We, we, the tendency is to hide. We're not to run from him. We run to him. He takes us right where we are. He brings that transformation, and he wants us to be in a community because we need one another. I mean, just yesterday, you know, is this okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, just yesterday, you know, Sam, just say, hey, I need to share something with you. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really tripping up over this. And he did, and I... And as soon as he, uh, right there, that's where the enemy, right there, that's where, that's where, right there. And he's like, man, I thought I was over this by now. <laughs> right? And yet, it's like God wants to bring that transformation from glory to glory so that we can love fully and freely, that we can um, forgive others as fully and freely as we have been forgiven. So it says here that he has forgiven all your trespasses, and he wiped out the handwritten requirement that was against us. So every, every, all the penalty, it was, he took it, he wrote it all out, he nailed it to the cross with his own flesh, and it says that all the requirement was against us, which was contrary, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Everything you've done, Jesus already provided on the cross. Every bit of it. And then 
anything, you know, it's like we we haven't arrived. We are going to be changing from glory to glory. And so that means when I recognize, oh my goodness, I'm really, I can't get over this. And I cry out, God, I know you paid for this and I need your help. I need your transformation. Would you meet me here? I'm going to keep doing this unless you change me. And see, that's a humble place versus going, well, I don't have any sin, bless God. <laughs> but but it's not even this, I'm going to just beat myself up over the things I know you. Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want. Oh, wretched man that I am. But thanks be to God who saved me. You know, the thing is that we have all fallen. We all come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And so then what happened is we begin to go, you know what? There's probably some kind of root going on right there. And then I can have grace for where someone is, just like God has given me grace time and time again. I'll never forget when I um, when I was a little girl growing up, there was some real brokenness that rose up in my family. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that. But I... Um, I had kind of like disconnected myself as a coping mechanism. Like, yeah, but and I just kind of made this kind of Pollyanna world where everything's okay when it really wasn't okay. That was just the way I did it. I mean, some people do the opposite and they just run wild into wildness. And that's not how I did it. I just kind of Pollyannaized everything. And then as I was 20, the Lord began to get a hold of my life. He began to get a hold of my heart. And he began to show me that I can't just like gloss over the brokenness in our family. I had to look at it. And, and, I, and I did. And all of a sudden, I looked face to face with something that somehow or another I thought I had been the only one that had been spared. But I hadn't. It's just how I dealt with it. So anyway, I'm in this place where Sam and I are praying. And I saw this picture of me kind of. Um, just broken as a little girl. And I, I looked up and I, I saw Jesus and he started walking towards me. And he just had such love and compassion. And he walked and he kind of scooped me up. It was like before I even knew what Sozo was. You know, I just, God just met me and he scooped me up and he's hugging me, he's loving me. And and then um, we look over and I, and I see this family member who had been the one that had caused so much pain and, and brokenness. And the Lord looked at him, and then he started walking towards that family member. I'm going to tell you something. This thing rose up and like, hey, wait a second. I'm the victim here. How dare you go to him? And the Lord kept walking. He got halfway, and he turned, and he had tears just streaming down his face. And he said, don't you know that what I did on the cross was for him as well as for you? And immediately forgiveness came. That's what I'm talking about. When we begin to recognize who our God is, because see what that does is it breaks down the religion. It breaks down all the performance. It breaks down all the perfectionism that we can all just be people in need of a Savior who came to save. And so now I'm healed and set free, and I can be agents of forgiveness and love and grace to others. So who wants to be a part of a community that understands I'm forgiven and I'm forgiving? On in Colossians 3, go down to, um, turn your page, Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, 
holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you all must, must do. Forgive is to pardon, to remit an offense or debt, to overlook an offense, to treat the offender as not guilty. The original and proper phrase is to forgive the offense, to send it away, to reject the offense, not impute it. We also use the phrase to say, to forgive the person for offending. Pardon. I, you know, I'm just going to use some definitions. I think sometimes we can lose sight of what these words mean. Pardon is to forgive, to remit offense or crime. Guilt implies being bound to censor. To pardon is to give up the obligation for punishment. You know, sometimes... Um, we will close off our heart. We can be in the same room and, and just kind of close off and punish in our heart, even if we don't say anything. And I just want to encourage us, let's not do that. Let's be a people that love people, speak the truth and love. And here, that's not like, can I pick on you for a minute? Okay, because Jennifer knows I love her. <laughs> But that's not me telling, speak truth and love is not me telling Jennifer everything I see wrong with her. I think the church has misunderstood that. I think it's me going, hey, this is who you are. And I'm going to call the gold forth. And I'm not going to stumble over all the, you know, this present moment. This isn't who you are. I can't tell you how many times I look at my children and go, this isn't who you are. And if we could get the grace when we, when we see those places, instead of <clears throat> tripping up over that, Oh, I need to point out, make sure you know what you're doing wrong. I want to make sure you know who you are in Christ. And once we know who we are in Christ, we'll begin to live as who we are in Christ. And the rest of those things, you see, the thing is, you know, I have a, a big heart for a lot of young adults that have grown up in churches, churches that I've been a part of. And they will say right now, you know, the world is a lot more forgiving than the church. And so when I think of being a forgiven community, I want forgiveness as a church for not being known for forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. And there's, that's not a heavy thing. Because see, the beautiful thing is Jesus says, I'm going to forgive all your disease as far as the east is from the west. That's how far I move your transgressions for you. But it's like, we can't change the past, but we can change where we are today and move forward in the future. So forgiven is basically, I've been pardoned. I've been released of all the responsibility, all the penalty. And forgiving is I am a pardoning person. <laughs> I'm going to be a forgiving person. I'm going to be disposed to forgive, inclined to overlook offenses, to be mild, merciful, 
compassionate. You know, Jesus, when he walked amongst the crowd, it says his heart was moved with compassion. His heart was moved with compassion. He looked and he's, he's like, there's sheep without a shepherd. They don't know who they are. And that's what he wants for us when we're out and about to have a heart full of compassion. But we got to learn how to practice that. You know, community's hard. Family's hard. People are messy. And yet by his grace, that which he's given me, I want to begin to, to learn and grow and love. So listen to this. It says, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Of course, this verse speaks to us individually, calling us personally to kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Yet we must remember that this verse, like the rest of Ephesians, is not addressed to a single individual, but a rather a community, to the members of the body of Christ, to brothers and sisters in the family of God. This verse envisions not just a bunch of separate Christians who forgive, but a forgiving and a forgiving community. Wherever the people of God are joined together, their fellowship is to be characterized by forgiveness. It doesn't mean minimizing sin, by the way. In fact, quite the opposite is true. Forgiveness is needed only when there's been a wrong done. You know, so to be able to, and here's the thing, you know, I was thinking about just my own relationship with the Lord, his forgiveness towards me, and then my relationship with others. There's been a lot of people that I've um, forgiven that I never had a chance to hash it out with them. Somehow or another, we we think, well, I'll forgive them once they know how much they've hurt me. Like, I can't begin to understand how much my sinfulness has, has hurt the heart of the Father. And there's some things I know he's talked to me about, and there's a lot of things I know he hasn't. But I also know that in relationship, if I wait to an opportunity that a person sees that, that I know that they really see how they offended me, and then I'll forgive you, I don't think we'll see forgiveness the way it's ever intended to be. We've got to learn how to to forgive quickly and as freely and as fully as we've been forgiven. A forgiving community doesn't focus on sin as an opportunity to judge, condemn, or ostracize. Thank you. Who said that right? Ostracize. (laughs) Ostracize. We're going to ostracize you. No. <laughs> ostracize. A forgiving community doesn't reward the proud who see themselves less in need of forgiveness than others. Think about the, the two, the one man going, oh, God, forgive me. And the other fierce going, God, I'm glad I'm not like him. I just want to be a point where my heart is, um, I don't want, you know, I've, we were in a church at one point that it was so sin-focused that it's like you'd hear a message of grace and you feel like you needed, it did not feel grace and life-giving. It was just um, bonding. I mean, I remember this one message in particular on on grace, and it was in context of you're just a worm. And Oh, yeah, it was horrible. And everybody left, and there was not one person talking. 
there was no line. No, no, God, he loves you right where you are. He loves you right where you are. And it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And it's his conviction that is, oh, God, I don't want anything that could separate fellowship here or here. Would you show me? And he does real gently. Well, unless, you know, we've, we've prayed and we're like, God, have all of me, whatever you want. And he'll start here. And if that doesn't work, he'll, he'll be here. If that doesn't work, he kind of, <laughs> and if that doesn't work, he'll just let you hit a wall. But he loves you the entire time. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I just want to be one right here. <laughs> But I've been in churches, communities that will literally, they won't say they they shun. Like, this is a long time ago. I mean, we've been here you know, 17 years, so not recently. <laughs> but they, oh, yes, we, where's forgiveness? But I'm basically going to distance myself until you get your act together. That's what Jesus says. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you up. I'm going to love you right where you are. I'm not going to punish you relationally. I'm right here. I love you. So I asked if we could do communion um, late. And what I'd like to do, if we could pass out the elements. And um, just pass them out and then just hold them once you received them. So what I want to do is hold the elements. Um, and I'm going to read some scripture. Once you have your elements, I'd like for you, if you can do this, if you can hold it and close your eyes. I don't want you to worry about sloshing your grape juice on you. But um, I just want to read over a portion of scripture. It's in Matthew And we're going to take communion in a little bit. I just want to read the scripture over you there. And this is what I want you to do. Just, you know, the thing is is that Paul tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you're not sure you're in him, it's real simple. (laughs) You just say, Jesus, I want to be sure I'm in you. I confess my need for a Savior. And I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to take that penalty of sin so that I can receive forgiveness and grace.
And if you are in him, you know, like I said, I just want to constantly cultivate, Lord, I want to be, I want to have a, a teachable, humble heart. I don't ever want to think I've arrived, but I also don't want to get to a point where I'm just beating myself up. I'm asking for your kindness to lead me to repentance. There might be some things today as I'm reading the scripture that you go, wow, Lord, would you forgive me for that? And he does. Or maybe he'll highlight some forgiveness that you're to extend for others to others. So Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain and he was seated. His disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus continued on and said, Do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one little bit will by no means pass from the law until it's all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the commandments, the least of these commandments, and teaches men so, they'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said to those of old, you should not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool is danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree quickly with your adversary while you're on the way. At least your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over. Assuredly, I say to you, you'll by no means get out of there until you've paid the last penny. You've heard it said, 
It was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in her heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. For it's more profitable for you than one of your members to perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you than one of your members to perish. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except for sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, Jesus said, you have heard that it was of those old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by the heaven or God's throne or by the earth or his footstool or Jerusalem or, his king, or the city of its king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair black. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatever is more is from the evil one. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek turns to the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you, let him take away your tunic and let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile with him, go two. Give to him who asks and from him who wants to borrow from you. Don't turn away. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Take heed, you not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogue, that they may have your, their glory. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. So I wanted to read this because I wanted to just point out Jesus is saying all of this. And just I was reading through this just reminding we are all in such need of him. This is in the Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to, you know, abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. And we come to him. It doesn't matter, you know, if we go, oh, I've not had an adultery, but we have this secret thing in our heart. It doesn't matter if like, well, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. But his grace and his forgiveness is so powerful and so good. And so, and it transitions and he says to this, and we're going to close, I'm going to read. And then I just want to. I'll explain. Don't take your opinion. So he transitions then, and he goes into the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. Now, a couple weeks ago, I told you the Lord reminded me, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. When he says our Father in heaven, that means Jesus, your Father and our Father in heaven. (laughs) Our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. I want you to hold this piece of bread. And see, the thing is that you can have communion with him. I told you, he's not interested in your performance. He's not interested in your perfection. He's interested in your presence. And he wants us to come and to take of his presence. Give us this daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And he goes on, he says, if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. If you don't forgive men of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Forgiveness is a big deal. And when we can come to the point of, I am forgiven, we just stop and think about all that he's done for me, then there's this grace that really quickly, easily wants to let it flow out to others. So what I'd like for you, Jeremy, you can go ahead and get on the keyboards. And this is really a time between you. Maybe there's something that you're like, Lord, Lord, I need to ask your forgiveness. I need to confess this. Maybe, you know, you need to go. I need, I need someone else in this picture with me to pray with me. I need to be reminded of who I am. And so go to a trusted person and share with them if you feel like you need that. Or maybe the Lord's showing you, you know what? It's time. It's time. It's time to forgive that person that's hurt you. It's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. So, Father, we just thank you. And Holy Spirit, I do. I thank you for your kindness that leads us to any place of repentance. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you did. We remember. We remember you, the sacrifice that you made. We thank you that your body was broken, that we could be healed. And we take this in remembrance of you. And Lord, as we take this cup, Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And we also, right now, ask that you would just show if there's any place we've been holding on to unforgiveness. And we ask forgiveness for that. And we forgive fully and freely, as fully and as freely as you've forgiven us. We forgive. And we take this in remembrance of you. Our track record as the body of Christ is mixed to be sure. But no matter how well or poorly we're doing at it at the moment, Ephesians 4.32 holds a vision of a forgiven and forgiving community. A family of people who fail as people inevitably do, but who experience a fellowship where failure is not dismissed, but rather where failure is preluded to forgiveness. Would you stand? I just want to pray this last thing. Gracious God, today we pray. We pray for this church, for this community, that we would be a fellowship of forgiveness based upon and modeled after your forgiveness in Christ. Lord, help us to be one who contributes to help shape the forgiving quality of our fellowship. And may our life together as your people be characterized by the receiving and the giving of forgiveness. 
In this way, may we demonstrate the gospel to the world. Lord, I pray not only in this house, but every sphere of influence that we have in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhood, that we would live as a people who have been forgiven and a forgiving people. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.